CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. It's Friday, July 8th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Chris Hummer. I know the news of the week and really of the year remains realignment. We'll have an episode on that very soon, but bear with me for a moment. We're going back in time and talking Arch Manning. Yes, yes, more Texas. And of course, I had to bring in the former host of this podcast, Trey Scott, to talk about it. Um, He'll be here in just a second. But before you switch over to your summer playlist when you hear more Texas Longhorns, let me explain why we're talking Arch. It's because of the idea of bridge quarterbacks. There are many ways to handle a quarterback room, all of them far more complicated in the transfer portal era. In this case, Texas, in back-to-back classes, has added two number one overall recruits in Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. How does Texas handle that? What does Texas' handling of that QB room say about transition quarterbacks as a whole? Uh, We're going to talk about that and more. All right, Trey, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. It feels like the world has not gotten enough Arch Manning content. So we had to hop in and do another episode on this. Although I will say that I I think it beats a realignment talk. I think I'm also bored about that stuff too. And my timeline on Twitter is 100% realignment all the time. And I'm a little tired of it as well. So I'm happy happy to talk about some roster management stuff. Because, you know, roster management is what people love. I will give you this though. If realignment doesn't happen, as in last year's batch of realignment, Oklahoma and Texas at the SEC, then I don't think we're having this conversation today. And I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I guess the Manning never has played outside the uh, southeastern confines, so that's for mm-hmm. sure. Do um, you think Arch Manning's going to Lawrence, Kansas for a wait? No, come on. He, he's an SEC kid. I think Arch would have done just fine in Lawrence. Um, everybody, anyway, I'm not going to insult Kansas on this podcast. I don't need Kevin Flaherty coming after me. So to start, Trey, quarterback, quarterback management's a really tricky thing. I'm going to rattle off some stats really quickly. Between 2010 and 2019, those recruiting classes, 63% of four and five star quarterbacks transferred at least once in their career. So more than 50%. And since 2016, so the 2016 to 2019 classes, that rate's actually at 70%. So seven out of 10 four and five star quarterbacks end up transferring at least once in their career. And that rate only continues to grow up. When I talk to coaches across the country, managing the quarterback room is among the biggest headaches they have. That's why I'm going to hand you the mic right now, Trey. There was a narrative surrounding Arch and Quinn Ewers that the quarterback room would have to come to some kind of head, that one of the two quarterbacks would ultimately have to leave. What did you think of that narrative? And I know, I know you've got some takes. I'm not going to name any names, but I'm disappointed when the national narrative when something like this happens is, is so um, ignorant. And I think in this day and age of transfer portal and NIL and recruiting mattering more than ever, I think it's inexcusable to not have a grasp of of recruiting and of how things work and of how you mentioned it, like stacking rosters works. And the fact that Quinn Ewers was not just a highly rated quarterback. Quinn Ewers was not just a five-star quarterback. Quinn Ewers, before he reclassified, was going to go down tied for the highest rated quarterback recruit of all time within Sean. And so when Arch Manning commits, and I, I won't name names as, as I've already said, but when Arch Manning commits and the narrative is, oh, well, it's either him or yours. They both can't coexist together. Or one of these two will transfer by the spring of you know Arch's freshman year. 
that's preposterous. That's that's not how college football works right now. You're supposed to stack rosters. Uh, you're supposed to stack five-star quarterbacks. And to suggest that Arch Manning, who is not a better prospect than Quinn Ewers, I don't care what the recruiting metrics say. I would bet you money, Chris, but that by the time we get to February's National Signing Day, I don't know if Arch will be number one. I have no inside intel on that, but I don't think he's going to be a 1.000. Anyway, Quinn Ewers will be the better prospect. I do not think that Arch Manning is going to come in to Austin and even challenge Quinn Ewers when Arch is a true freshman. I think if you if you read the tea leaves, the Mannings would like Arch to redshirt. He's coming from a lower level of football, private school football in, in, in New Orleans. Quinn Ewers will have had all of the 2022 season to prove that he's worthy of being the starting quarterback at Texas. To think that Arch Manning would commit to Texas and then be looking to transfer after five months if he doesn't beat out Quinn Ewers, I don't think he even wants to beat out Quinn Ewers, really, for that job. It was just weird, and, and it was... I feel like it doesn't happen if it's at Alabama or it's at Ohio State or Georgia OU. And I guess I get it because those schools are successful and those programs have done a good job with quarterbacks and Texas really hasn't. But Steve Sarkeesian's done a good job with quarterbacks, right? Like that's why he's a head coach at Texas. So I think I would put a little faith into knowing what's into the fact that Steve Sarkeesian knows what he's doing. Not so much studying the last 12 to 13 year history of Texas and just sort of try to have a composite understanding of what college football looks like nowadays. And if you're doing your job, then you understand recruiting dynamics. And you understand that these are not just five-star quarterbacks. These are elite quarterbacks. The the, the likelihood of, of even one of the two quarterbacks failing, it's slim. And then there's people, Chris, who are like, oh, well, what happened to you at Ohio State? He reclassified a month before the season started for the money. We told you that last year. We made a big deal out of that. The kombucha. The $3 million NIL package. He's not a failure because he didn't play at Ohio State. CJ Stroud's pretty good. CJ Stroud's probably going to go number one overall in nine months. So I just think that people are, uh, I think people are are not delivering the analysis and the information that you would always expect for them to, if if we're being quite honest about the national coverage of college football. Okay, well, this is a, this is a good way for us to kind of take a more nuanced approach mm-hmm. to sure. the idea yeah. of quarterbacks. I think the question of, well, Arch Redshirt, is he willing to wait behind Quinn Ewers, as you said, is a pretty silly one. The Manning family went through this entire recruiting process, and it's different for Arch than it is for any player in America because of the last name on his back. The idea that he would, after five months, toss all of that out the window and decide to enter the transfer portal is a ridiculous one. I was at the Manning Academy two weeks ago. Eli Manning said in front of 1,500 people that once you make a decision, you stick with that decision and you make it the right mm-hmm. one. The whole family that talked during that event echoed that sentiment. Arch isn't going to go anywhere just because he has to sit behind Quinn for a year. And that, that's what's going to happen. Like, let's get that out of the way. Arch Manning will sit behind Quinn Ewers for a year. Like, no, and, he, and he's not, he's not going to decommit if Texas goes seven and five either. Yeah, no. I really think they arch that process really it's is over. difficult for someone like yeah. him. I don't think he wants to go through it again. So let's let's push that aside and let's let's talk about bridge quarterbacks and the idea of stacking classes. I think there's a couple different really avenues to do this. And I'm gonna use Clemson and Ohio State as examples here. I think this is a good example of the shifting sands of college football as well. So for Clemson, at one point, Dabo Sweeney told Deshaun Watson he would not take a quarterback in the class ahead of him. And I believe the class after him to get Deshaun on the boat. And that was sort of the strategy we saw for a couple of years at Clemson. I don't think take after Trevor Lawrence was not great. Um, Tyson Fumanchow is not. Nope, yeah. nope. 
And we saw them stack quarterbacks that way throughout. Oklahoma did a similar thing, going from Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams, and it was supposed to be Malachi Nelson. Obviously, Lincoln Riley departing changed that. On the other hand, you have the Ohio State strategy, and they have just stacked five-star quarterback after five-star quarterback. Lose Quinn Ewers, you get Devin Brown the next year, and then you get the number one overall quarterback in 2024, two years ahead of time. So there's two very different ways of thinking about that. So Trey, from your perspective, I think we've seen one of those options win out over the other. You're a Clemson guy too, not just a Texas guy. What have you seen from Clemson's handling of that quarterback room and where that put Clemson last year in terms of depth? I was thinking about this 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 morning when you when you kind of pitched this prompt to me. I think the Ohio State, or really the Ryan Day method, has to be the new formula in college football. These kids are too sensitive. They could leave, right? Like we're, we're saying Arch, Arch won't leave after year one or whatever, but you can no longer cater to what you think a then 17-year-old wants. You look out for you and you sign a five-star in your class and then you sign another five-star in your class because Clemson not taking a five-star quarterback in 2019 after Trevor Lawrence when it could have, although who wants to, you know, whatever, and then putting all of its eggs in the DJ basket and then not taking really even a quarterback prospect in 2021. They took Will Taylor, who's a slot receiver and plays baseball. And then Bubba Chandler as well went to the Major League Baseball draft. That really hurt Clemson last year. And now you're relying on a true freshman, Kate Klubnick, to be prepared to win that job. When Ohio State, like if CJ Stroud gets hurt, like they've got literally another five-star behind him and then another five-star behind him. I think it's the Ohio State method. The portal allows for too much player movement. These kids, they might transfer regardless of what your plans for them are. I think you have to look out for your roster and stack it the best way you can. And look, this is so funny because it still ended up being Stetson Bennett who won Georgia the national title. But we commended Kirby Smart for doing this, Chris, in that horrible, horrible summer of 2020. Jamie Newman and JT Daniels within a few weeks. That was a great tactical strategy. Yeah, I mean, there's one position on the field where you can't afford to have an issue and it's it's quarterback and one injury can ruin your season. I, I think a really interesting example of this is Oklahoma. Like if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt this year, there's nothing behind him in Oklahoma, largely because OU's backups from the last few years, one's in LA, one potentially could start at uh, TCU, one will yeah, start at SMU, and another one is going to start. I am drawing a blank. Uh, there's too many Oklahoma quarterbacks. There's a lot of former Oklahoma quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, is Austin Kendall still eligible? No, Austin yeah. expired, but okay. we, we saw that Lincoln Riley purposely either didn't take a quarterback or had a essentially a program tape between takes. And then once one or two of those top guys enters the portal, you're in really bad shape unless you're stacking those guys year after year. You want to try to have at least two on a roster at a time. Otherwise, you're in trouble. And that's why I think we're seeing quarterback management, as you said, Trey, with Ohio State being the example, prime example of this shift in current athletics. And it's why Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning being in the same room isn't a problem. Like there, there does have to be... I guess a bit of wiggle room between the two. It helps that when Arch comes in, Quinn will be a junior or a third year player in college football because he reclassified. But that allows Texas to build its quarterback room around two pillars. And you have to have at least two of those guys. And then you also have to have prospects next to them. Like Texas still has Malik Murphy on campus, like a really talented guy, a developmental guy long-term, but like you got to stack your room. And I, I don't know about you, but like the narrative with Arch Manning was kind of a silly one from that perspective. 
course. You know, you know, and I will say this, the hope, the hope is that these guys play well and then go to the NFL, yeah. right? Like you don't really need every quarterback to play four years. You kind of want to get a, a natural sort of uh, cleansing of the system there. So the hope then for Arch Manning is Quinn Ewers goes pro after two years of being a starter. And I, I'm wondering, Trey, how do you think the transfer portal affects this strategy? Not just recruiting, like schools now have the option instead of instead of taking these guys, they can just add an experienced arm to back up whoever they have and hope that works out long-term. Like, do you see that as a viable strategy, dipping into the portable and using that to uh, fortify that room instead? I think it's what Florida is going to do after Anthony Richardson's done, right? If you're not getting one of the top five to top 10 quarterbacks in the class and like just grab whoever you can, and then pretty much you're going to have to figure it out in the portal. Because we know unless you have a historic defense, you're not going to win a national title with a mediocre quarterback. And only one or two teams every year have a defense that good. Georgia obviously had one last year. And I think what's funny is the players know this too. And that's why the coaches have to say, I don't care about your feelings right now. I'm taking as many five stars as I want. One of those Ohio State quarterbacks is going to transfer, right? Like one of those guys, Jack Miller already did. He's already at Florida. Devin Brown and Kyle McCord are not going to both finish their careers as Buckeyes. And that's okay. Ryan Day knows that and he's okay with that because it doesn't really matter what, you know, let's just say what Kyle McCord does at Penn State, if that ever happened. Bad example, Drew Allers there at Rutgers, right? If he's got Devin Brown and Devin Brown was the right call, then he doesn't care what the other guy's doing. So I, I the, the portal cuts both ways, but ultimately it's the reason that coaches no longer say gap year, intentionally take a bad quarterback. We're taking whoever we can every single year. We'll be right back with more from the College Football Daily right after this break. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And I think this is a good time to transition a little bit towards Texas's long-term future with Arch. And I know this is probably a tired conversation for a lot of people, and we'll be quick. Not for me, Chris. You don't have to. You don't have to explain yourself to me, Trey. I know you're eager to talk. I know you're eager to talk Texas, no doubt. I'm wondering how does Arch and Quinn back to back change the expectations for Steve Sarkeesian and Texas' immediate future? with an eye towards the SEC, like two generational quarterbacks, potentially back to back. Does that change the way you think about Texas's near and I guess mid future with an eye towards the SEC? Yeah. I mean, when's the SEC move going to happen, right? Like a few more years, I would expect before then with these quarterbacks and with who, because of these quarterbacks, you've enticed to play next to them. Texas has to win a big 12 title game in the next three years. And then I think Austin needs to make the playoff. I think anything else would be a disappointment. And like, how does this fail? Tell me the formula for how this fails. Well, I, I think we've I think we've seen a formula for how it fails in Austin, which is 
the team no, collapses at the wrong. We're not going to. I mean, we're not going to get too micro on that. But sure, like the talent here that that they're stacking a number three class in 2022, a top three class so far in 2023. The transfer portal, the NIL money. Let's not be idiots. The NIL money for Texas works the same way it does at Texas A&M. This seems like this seems like a program that needs to be making the college football playoff in the next three years. I mean, personally, I absolutely agree. Given the status of the Big Twelve right now, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, Spencer really Sanders is the Spencer Sanders is the first team preseason All Conference quarterback. What does that tell you about the state of the Big Twelve? It's there for the taking. It's there for the, Texas went five and seven last year. There's not one fan who doesn't think they should be in the Big Twelve title game come December, right? Like my dad's coming to to visit us in here in Charlotte this week. And we're playing golf with my father-in-law, who's a Clemson guy. And I'm terrified my dad's going to like, like start talking so much trash of like future national title. We got Quinn, we got Arch. Like the expectations are through the roof now. And Steve Sarkeesian has, uh, this is awesome. This is like, it's, 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 it's your blessing, but now it's your curse. You better be competing for college football playoffs next year. I'm amending that. I said within the three years, I, th- I think, right, Chris, like if, if Texas, when in Quinn Ewers is probable last season, it's not, contending for a college football playoff berth, then something is, has gone wrong. Absolutely. I think when you look at the offensive line recruiting that they've had, the priority they've put on the defensive line on their trail in the same class in this upcoming class, if they're not competing in 2023, that's a problem. That leads me to my last question, Trey, then I'll let you go. If Texas can't win in this stretch, and I'm talking about college football playoff, like a national championship is a pie in the kai conversation. And a lot of times it's a, it's not luck necessarily, but like just being in the mix means you're in the mix, like nationally. Yeah, it's like making the final four in basketball. You you hang a banner for the final. Yeah. yeah. Texas hasn't been there since 2009. It hasn't been there. But if Texas can't get it done at, in this stretch with these two quarterbacks, I, I just got to ask, it's like, would Texas be just broken at that point? Because if you can't get it done with these two, is it ever going to happen? Just like you keep stacking quarterbacks, I think you just keep stacking coaches. There are boosters at Texas who deem themselves responsible for the current roster management success. And there's no doubt about it. The offseason Texas had one of the best in college football history, despite going five and seven. There are boosters. Okay, okay, with the qualifier five and seven, I can see that. That's a, that's a big- well, offseason wise, Chris, to land Quinn Ewers and then land Arch Manning, how is that not one of the best offseasons in college football history? Like, do you have a, a, a list of best offseasons? I mean, come on. I, I don't have they, one handy, but I guess when you pick into those yeah. two quarterbacks, that's fair. They're arrogant enough to think that they can buy themselves a national title. So they're going to keep trying to do it. And once the steam blows off Sark, if the momentum dies, they'll try to do it again with somebody else. Nothing about Texas has has told me that they're going to be patient with head coach. But I think Sark's willing to play that game. I think Sark, I mean, why not him? Why not? He gets quarterbacks. I mean, the most important thing in college football is quarterbacks and having an explosive offense. And Steve Sarkeesian has both of them right now. So we'll see what happens in the future uh, for Texas with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning back to back. But Trey, thanks for uh, pulling out your old podcast mic. Uh, I don't back know. I use my AirPods. No, no okay. podcast mic here. Well, either way, thanks to Trey Scott for pulling into the studio today and helping us with the College Football Daily. Uh, for myself and our producer, Lance Glenn, thanks for listening. And if you have a moment, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I'll talk to y'all soon. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.